Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I've got my good friend Whitney Seibold, who you may recognize from way back when. He used to write for Geekscape, but now That's he's a right. journalist and a film reviewer over at Crave Online. That is right. And uh, he's also the host of the B-Movies podcast with our own William Bibiani, who's also a Geekscape product. And uh, I just love that like you and Brian Walton and, and Ben Dunn and all the Geekscapists have gone on to, you know what I mean? If you guys you, had stayed home, are, I would have felt like I was crippling you people. You are the second city to the world's SNL, essentially. <laughs> Everybody gets their start at Geekscape. I love that. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. Is there so, any way you can take uh, Shane O'Hare or Matt Kelly off my hands in any way? <laughs> <laughs> like, like there are a couple, a couple kids who still live in the basement uh, I'm trying to get rid of. But uh, no, we're sitting in Whitney's uh, house and we're recording a Geekscape for you guys. Hello. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Oscar nominations that came out mm-hmm. and a little bit of the news. And I'm just sitting here eating a uh, bowl and what would you say this? Mixed nuts? A trail mix. Trail, trail mix. mix. I'm just sitting here eating this stuff and... Uh, just having a good time on a Sunday, guys. Uh, sorry for the lateness of uh, the Geekscape episode. There are a couple things going on with Geekscape. Obviously, the big news is we're premiering at South by Southwest. So you, you guys know that uh, Doc of the Dead is a film that Geekscape's been working on for the last uh, about year and a half, two years now. But really, we've been in really intensely in production on it since uh, about... May, June, mm-hmm. and uh, you know when the check arrived, <laughs> and, uh, and we had to keep it under our hats. I've been keeping it under my hat since November, but yeah, Doc of the Dead, which Geekscape is co-producing, and is a, 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 there's several Geekscape segments in the movie, which I'm in or I've directed, is premiering at South by Southwest 2014, alongside the Veronica Mars movie, the yeah. Grass Tyson Cosmos movie, John Favreau's got his chef film, and uh, those but, there's uh, only but, been seven movies announced at South by, and, yours and is we're one of, one of them, so yeah. yeah. But it's probably going to be the best film to play at, Sun, at South By, so... Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, I know a couple of others uh-huh. um, that haven't been announced yet, and uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think our movie's really good. I uh-huh. think the Geekscapists will definitely enjoy it. Any zombie fan will enjoy it, but is it the best? Oh, I don't know about that. 
But that, that's definitely t- what, taking up some time. I, I'm not a fan of the Veronica Mars TV show, so I've, I've never I, seen I, it. I can't, yeah, I can't really say anything about the Veronica Mars movie. But what can you tell me about sort of the the general sort of geek culture consensus on Veronica Mars? No, is they it, love is it, it something to like really look forward to, or is it kind of a niche audience? No, I mean the response to Veronica Mars, and now Netflix is putting them all on instant play. Like, like okay. it's now yeah. on Netflix instant. So um, everybody enjoys Veronica Mars, and you know, to attend, you know. The showrunner of Veronica Mars, who's a, a producer on mm-hmm. Veronica Mars, Danielle Stockdyke, was at our wedding. I mean, she and... Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in early Geekscape, we sat down with her husband, Scott Stockdyke, also was at our wedding. Mm. He did all the effects. His name he, is Scott Stockdyke. Yeah, he, well, he won an... a lot, he, lot of he, Saxony consonants. He's an Oscar name. winner for the effects, effects in Spider-Man 2. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. I mean, he did the whole yeah. train sequence in Spider-Man 3. He did the... Uh, you know, the Sandman sequence, and he was on the show was talking it? about Spider-Man Three, and All right. it's, I mean, basically how they needed another year yeah. to well, I mean, it's, make it's the movie. Kind of a crap movie, but the special effects were great. Well, that sequence, that the guy. sequence of like the pebble turning into Sandman when he oh, yeah, recon- yeah, that go. was like that's the shot of the movie, and oh. yeah, Scott did that one, and so I hope to see them in Austin. Um, you know, Laurel and I will be there for the premiere, and there'll be tons of stuff coming from Austin, so I'm excited about it. Um, you know, Geekscape made a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a mutant zombie Geeks, baby. Geekscape made a baby. With Simon Pegg in it. Yeah, we've got everybody you want to hear talking about zombies, including this guy who you don't want to hear talking about zombies, is in the movie. And, <laughs> and now the hometown gets to see, you know, my hometown mm. gets to see it. I'm excited that the movie's premiering in Austin. Nice. Uh, if you're so, listening to this. So the, the whole movie is just sort of an, an overview of zombie zombie movie culture and zombies in general. There's that, and then there's the survival aspects and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, so I talked to some survivalists and. Maybe do a little surviving myself. Nice. And um, well, that, that is the appeal of the genre, isn't it? It kind yeah. of gives you these sort of survivalist fantasies where you can shoot people in the head and get away with it, and, well, and, and, be, <laughs> and be king of and be sort of king of the wasteland. There's no how rules would I, anymore. How would I take over at Costco? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like I'm in a Costco and I'm in a really, really pissed off. You know, if I had a shotgun and I had some sort of morally positive reason to shoot these people in the head say they were monsters yeah, yeah. yeah i totally know what i do yeah is it any surprise that like zombies are big and grand theft auto 5 sells like a billion copies right, right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm surprised so few movies like zombie movies and action movies take place in hardware stores right you know like because when i'm in a hardware store that's all i can i only start having violent like murder <laughs> fantasies like there's there's a tool you can buy at a hardware store it's essentially a rotary saw on the end of a stick so like yes. you, you like do a ripcord and you can hold it in an end. Or like a giant like scythe. Yeah, it's like these, thing. these things are made for taking off human heads. You know, I know there's <laughs> I know it says on the package you're supposed to use them on trees, but you know what they're really made for. And and I'm surprised there hasn't been a zombie movie that took place entirely within a hardware store where there's flinging blades and scythes and bro- rotary saws where you can take off limbs left and right. I actually I I think that there was a short at Sundance this year mm. that um that they did do that. So some okay. friends, from some friends who one of which worked at a hardware store, actually used it as a short to make a zombie okay. thing. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, it, but I don't think it's necessarily about a zombie apocalypse as much as about these group of friends, like waxing poetic about what would happen uh-huh. and where in the store they would go and how well, they would make yeah, the weapons. Because that's that's a conversation you really have when you're closing out a hardware store. And we had it sure. many times in the making of this movie. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, and I mean, people like Bruce Campbell and, and Robert Kirkman are telling you answers of what they would do. <laughs> and um, and it, 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 oh, sorry. I think I just I, oh, no, I'm your just, laptop's I'm good. Just kicking my laptop. I'm there. kicking your laptop, but no, I think I think it's all. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. I think you geek savers will enjoy it. If you're looking for. Film Fest stuff before 
we go to the Film Fest, uh, all of our Sundance coverage is popping up on the site right now. So mm. we have uh, Anna is reviewing at Sundance, and then uh, you know Dave Traverso, our, our longtime film reviewer, is on the site. Right, you know he's in Sundance reviewing. Uh, film. So if you guys want to know what's going on at Sundance, the festival we didn't get into. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ah, screw Sundance. No, what I love about it is that screw South, this guy. Robert Redford can go sit in a corner. It's really more of a South by Southwest yeah, movie. Yeah, and plus, sure. I get to premiere in my hometown, so I'm excited. But um, if you guys care about Sundance, want to read those reviews, there's some movies mm-hmm. that sound really great, like Dinosaur 13. Have you heard <laughs> I, of Dinosaur I love the 13? title already. So Dinosaur 13, and uh, you know, I read the review that we posted on the site. Mm. It's a documentary that premiered at Sundance. This is the one that got my attention. A team of paleontologists in the early 90s, they were amateur paleontologists. Uh, the true story here? True story. True, right. It's a documentary. Okay. This film's a documentary, and it's going to premiere, I think, on CNN. All right. And, uh, and basically what happened was they found the most complete t- Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton All right. in history. Very nice. But everybody loves Tyrannosaurus Rex. Did they have the permits? Who owned the land? Da, da, da. And the federal uh, government gets okay. involved. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it becomes a ten-year legal battle over the fate of the most preserved and the most like complete discovery. Yeah. And it and it seems like high drama. This this uh, case and the the documentary covers the whole thing, the ups mm. and downs of the team, the pe- the people who are involved in the case, the the investigation of whether yeah. or not it was illegal. Da, da, da. It all seems like a crazy story, and <laughs> you know stuff like that you're not going to necessarily get out of a traditional documentary company. But but at South by or at Sundance, you get mm. a documentary like that. I'm, I love that. It's I hope that Dinosaur I, Thirteen. It's called Dinosaur Thirteen. I hope it plays at South by Southwest because I'd love to see it. You know, and yeah, it'll yeah. be on TV soon enough. But uh, you know, we'll be on TV too because a TV network paid right. for the, and, and the di- making of our movie. So d- dinosaurs are like the original geek property because every little boy, like every four totally. year old boy, loves dinosaurs. That's like everybody's first geek interest, I think. Totally. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that that's one that I want to look for. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Mark, Mark Webber's in one or two movies. He was a, he was on Geekscape. Remember Stephen Stills from uh, the actor who played Stephen Stills and um, oh okay like, yeah I remember Stephen Stills but uh, the actor Mark Webber he's he he was in a couple movies at Sundance this year so he I keep, played Stephen Stills well, we follow each other in, on on Twitter so like I I keep seeing the stuff that he's doing at Sundance but you know what I told myself early on I'm not going to Sundance without a movie yeah, yeah, yeah. and I told myself I'm not going to South by again this year without a movie and I. He, and guess what? Oh, guys, Geekscape is who've seen our... He can South, go to South by Southwest. You guys have seen our South by Southwest coverage every year. You have no idea how frustrating it was to go to a film <laughs> festival without a movie. To the point where I actually signed up for the LA Marathon this year, which is the same weekend. And there's, <laughs> no, re- there's no refunds, no deferments. I told uh, myself, I said, you're running the LA Marathon. You're not going to South by Southwest without a movie. And then we have a movie, and I have to eat the I have to uh, eat the, the feet. <laughs> when, it, when it rains, it pours, I guess. When it rains, it pours. And now I'm $150 poorer. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. They won't like push it a year. They won't do anything. They they took that money. Maybe you can like run the marathon real quick. Like yeah. <laughs> if you run it real real fast. I'll go if around the world. Yeah. If you if you really flash that that business, you can really just just make it to the end in a couple minutes. I'll run to Austin. There you go. Just run like to Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's kind of like running a marathon anyway. Um. So geek geek news really that we, we want to talk about is um the casting of Hank Pym in Ant Man. I thought I thought Paul Rudd was already Hank Pym, but so evidently he's he's the different Ant Man. Scott, Scott Lang. Scott yeah. Lang, and now the original Ant Man is Michael Douglas. He's the non-wife abusing Ant Man because the whole thing with <laughs> with, with with Hank Pym's Ant Man is that Hank Pym slaps Janet. 
you know, and Janet, Janet <laughs> well, he's, he's a product of the 60s when it was okay to yeah. hit women, you know? Yeah, so, so, I mean, anybody who's a comic book fan... Closed fist, just ball up your fist and slam it right into their face. Stop talking, woman! <laughs> anybody who's a comic book fan knows that Hank Pym has this kind of darker side, just like Tony Stark has his alcoholism right. side, that they kind of started playing with in the movie, but though they really just use it as a hint and a voiceover at the beginning of Iron yeah. Man 3 to frustrate the fans. But, <laughs> remember it was like, the first line of Iron Man like 3 is, everyone has their demons. And you're like, oh my god, they might do demon in a bottle. They're like, no, just no. kidding, fans. Pee on you. Well, I mean, he, he, he drinks a lot, but he's still functional in all the Iron I'm Man like, oh, movies, man, which is so frustrating. The most they did was have him zap a watermelon midair over a girl's head, and it was like, whoa, Tony, you need to yeah, slow down. slow down there. Well, yeah. and, and Iron Man 3 was more about sort of his panic attacks over flying through a space hole. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ser- seriously, it's like... Everybody said, "Oh, and he's having panic attacks." Like I, I saw the Avengers. I don't remember that suffering trauma. You know, he flew through a space <laughs> hole and then he fell back again. He's okay. <laughs> the Hulk caught him. Yeah, he's good. And this big green monster caught him, and he's fine. It's not like there weren't scenes after that in the Avengers in which he was like, it "Was like, oh gosh, that was so freaky." You know, it's if you watch the Avengers again, watch where he just came back when he's eating the shawarma. His hands are shaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God, I don't know. What, I don't know what's real anymore. He's Staring off into the distance. It was really, he had the wherewithal to suggest like a shawarma place. Yeah. But, but little do we know that two nights later, the impact of yeah, flying through a space hole is going to mess his mind up forever. He's, he's sleeping in the closet, but he's not sleeping. He's just sort of twitching a lot. Well, what do you think about this Michael Douglas casting as an older Hank Pym? He's probably already well, established Pym Particles. And yeah, all this yeah. Stuff, yeah. Well, and you know, this will come after the Avengers 2, so we'll already have seen Ultron right. at that point. Which Who is, Hank Pym probably won't start. He'll probably, probably be yeah. Jarvis will probably be a mutated Jarvis. Well, which which is fine, you know. Sure. They're, they're repurposing everything. I I'm not gonna quibble over the changes they make to movies. I like it when they change stuff in movies. Actually, I'm the guy. And if you don't I like it, go read the comics. I like it when there's a movie version and a comics version that are very clearly. Unless it's Shakespeare, you hate that. Well, Shakespeare's. To be perfectly fair, Shakespeare is no Marvel comics. Uh, but <laughs> no, you know, if, if you're gonna add dialogue to Shakespeare, screw you. <laughs> If you're going to change the origin of Ultron, a character not a whole lot of people really care that deeply about, I'm okay. Hey, you know, careful, if you're, you're on Geekscape now. Well, that's true, that's true. There might be a, bit, a, a huge contingent of Ultron aficionados that I'm pissing off right now. But yeah, um, Hank Pym, it's kind of sort of a pity that we don't get to see the original Ant-Man, but sure. I don't know what they're going to do with the movie. I don't really know what they're going to do with the character. Ant-Man is kind of a goofy character anyway. Right. He always has been. If, if you remember that old Saturday Night Live sketch where it's all the superheroes just sort of standing around at a party, John Belushi plays the Hulk. Yeah, and there's like a, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, Ant-Man comes up and the Hulk's like drinking. He's got a cocktail in his hand. Hey, who are you? Oh, I'm Ant-Man. Really? What do you do? I can shrink to the size of an ant and retain my human strength. Ooh! That is, you know, Ant- Ant-Man is just sort of mockery. I don't know why, and this is a thing that just goes back but to But I love the fact that Edgar Wright's making it. Edgar Wright's making yeah, it, so, you know, it's going to be, that. like, energetic and fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, because all of his movies are just really high energy. Uh, so, th- that's great. Right. But, you know, Ant-Man, and especially any hero that can shrink, any hero that's really tiny, is such an uninteresting superpower right. and such I'm an uninteresting character. Oh, okay. Because I think you're, it's your shirt. Okay. We're good. My shirt is so noisy. And you were just on your shirt. Oh, yeah, okay. there you go. Okay, yeah. But, uh, you know, shrinking is one of those superpowers that the authors of comic books just keep going back to and back to and back to. Right. And it never works. No, unless I, you're a pervo. Yeah, and like you use, what use is, it for perv Yeah, like stuff. you, you like, want to sneak under a door and look at, watch women yeah. undress. So basically you know, you're writing Porky's as a comic. <laughs> <laughs> so this, you know, if, if Ant-Man resembles Porky's, 
I'm cool with that. I, right. I don't, I don't want it and to this... resemble the Avengers. I want it to resemble Porky's. Right. And uh, so it, it kind of makes sense that they're getting a comedy director to do Ant-Man. Uh, that they're getting high-profile actor like Michael Douglas to be in it is probably just going to make it all the more surreal. I think that's cool. I think, I think if it were up to... Uh, Edgar Wright, he would have cast Bill Nye sure. as Hank Pym, yeah. and that would have been great, too. would have been great. I'm not sure how to feel about Ant-Man. Just that, that it's Edgar Wright is the only thing that's giving yeah. me hope. If, if somebody is, yeah, said, like, we're, we're going to make... If, you know, Kevin Feige came out and said, hey, we're making Ant-Man, and it's going to be a really dark, serious origin story. Oh, you throw tomatoes I would, I, at it. No, I said, screw you. I don't want to see dark, serious Ant-Man. Yeah. It's bad enough that we have dark, serious Superman now. Right. Uh, give it to Edgar Wright. Make it goofy. Kind of make it self-referential. Make it a, a little bit spoofy. I think we've reached that point in the superhero canon where we can kind of spoof these heroes and it be okay and still have... You know, the people who take them really seriously and the people who don't take them so seriously. And we need, we need more flavors. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely like James do. Gunn doing Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Like, we need these new flavors. And I said well, it on the show, like, after watching Avengers, I was like, okay, we need to start mixing up the look. Yeah, a little feel. bit. Because they all, they've all looked like, like, Avengers looked and felt exactly like Iron Man. That's totally. essentially what this is. They're just sort of, this is, it's like, this is the third best Iron Man movie. It has mm-hmm. other Avengers in it. Um from your lips to God's ear, because I, I submitted a story to Marvel Comics, and I hope they end what? up making the, the Motormouth movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember Motormouth from Marvel UK way back in the day. Was it? Was, just like some dude was just talking nonstop? No, you, you don't remember the Motormouth character? I don't remember do you, do you a remember, lot of Marvel UK. Do you remember Marvel the, UK? Yeah, remember okay, you, you remember sure. like Dark Angel. I originally, remember that. They, it was originally remember, Hell's Angel. They were sued by the Hell's Angels, so they changed the name to Dark Angel. And I remember the new universe that they tried in 1986. They tried the Marvel New Universe. New Universe. That lasted uh, a month. Do you remember Marvel 2? Yeah, of course. <laughs> from, from the early 2000s. Of course, cause, that cause, was really fun. Because Spider-Man's daughter still... Yeah, Spider-Girl is the only Spider-Girl one that kind of survived kind of out there, but that. I remember yeah, like the mini juggernaut. Yeah, like J2, the mini juggernaut. Oh gosh, so uh, so many awful pieces of garbage right. from Marvel. And you know, Spider-Man 2099, 2099 is oh. back in Superior Spider-Man continuity. Right, no kidding. He's in the All Marvel right. 616. Oh gosh. But uh, M- Motormouth was uh, like a punk rock girl oh, yeah, from, yeah. from the streets of London. She finds a pair of magical sneakers that essentially allow her to quantum leap. She can like teleport between dimensions. But into other people's bodies? or No, no, just, okay. just bodily. She can okay. teleport to other dimensions <laughs> through, through these magical sneakers made by an evil corporation called Miss Tech. These guys are they're, jerks. They're ma- magical and also technological, hence the name. Uh, she ends up teaming up with this like 10-year-old who's in the body of like a 30-year-old bodybuilder who's like, really kill-happy, who's grown in a lab to be okay. a Assassin. He's his name is Kill Power, and uh, Motor. You, you're who read this crap? Uh, well, I, I read some of it, but you know, of course, I had to read it because I wanted to challenge myself. What what is sort of this really lame, completely obscure Marvel character well, that the could be made into what a else movie? You yeah, do? yeah. And that's the sad thing. That was right. my wheelhouse. What are you gonna do? Make a Kill I, Raven film? I, yeah, I grew right. up reading comics in the '90s, so like Image Comics and all these like really like sort of the garbage era for comics that <laughs> totally. everybody hates. That's all I know. Yeah. That's all I read. You know, from from '92 from when I was 12, 1990. Until I went to college, which was 1996. That's us, yeah. That's all I read. And everybody says that's like the most fallow period. The only Spider-Man comics I read was the Clone Saga. And um, you never read the Star Wars stuff that Dark Horse was putting out at the same time? No, Because that's no, what got no. me into comics. Because I worked at a comic store in high school, and you I and I are a it. year off. So, yeah. like, like that's, that's what got me into comics was, like, the Star Wars comics. And yeah. I know Zach and I talked about it on the last podcast, but since then I've written that article. It's on the front page of the site that's eight 
Star Wars expanded universe stories that I wish they stay they they yeah. they, 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 they well, keep because you know canon. all those expanded universe I love stories, I love huh? those well the pre prequels expanded universe stories right. are the ones that are my bread and butter I, mm. I did everything yeah. you know like back I, in the nineties when Star Wars the myth Star Wars I even played Yoda away. stories. You know, yeah. Yoda, you remember Yoda stories? Like a little tabletop Yoda game that was like, oh gosh, and yeah, I played vaguely. the hell out of it. And you, it was basically oh just gosh. going like getting something and taking it yeah, to B and then bit. taking yeah, it yeah. to C and then you solve the day and you save the Dagobah Swamp or whatever. <laughs> like that, that was it. Like I played everything that has Star Wars on it. I, I love that era of Star Wars, sort of in like the late '80s and early '90s. You sure. Know, post post Jedi, but like there were some cartoons and they were trying there to make the it. There were the two Ewok films. Yeah, the, the, they were making it really sort of kiddified. I mean, the, the Star Wars films got increasingly child-friendly as and you went on. And you never read the Thrawn trilogy? Well, I mean, I wasn't a Star Wars person. I didn't see Star Wars Nobody until I was 18. Was. Oh, wow. So, so, uh, Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, you were already st- out of high school. I was I was a late entrant into the world of Star Wars. I, I just How did you get through high school without watching Star Wars? You know what? I was, was busy watching Star Trek was what was going on. Okay. I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I was this is where it's acceptable. Here at yeah. Geekscape is where that's acceptable. Okay, where I wasn't a Star yeah. Wars person. Yeah, so well, I, 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 I was working in a movie theater, and I was yeah. talking to friends about movies. And it's like, remember that one scene in Star Wars? You know, I, I just graduated high school. I've never actually seen Star Wars. And I, you, you would have thought that I just said I killed her mother. Whitney, that's, like, that's crazy. So I'm going to continue to work on your mind. Oh, it's okay. Sorry, Geeks. You can fiddle with me all you like, baby. Sorry, Geeks. <laughs> but yeah, St- Star Wars wasn't really my thing. Yeah. Uh, and as, as a result, you know, I admire the films, but I'm not sort of head over heels in love with them because I didn't grow up with them. Sure. So many people. Again, I like Star Wars. Uh, the first one's probably my favorite. And you just hope? Cause, yeah, because yeah. it has... No, Star Wars. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that rebranding garbage. It's not episode <laughs> four. It's a 1977 film called Star Wars. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, it has no CGI in it either. So yeah, I saw I saw them before this. This was like right before the special editions came out. Sure. So I saw them and on that was video. And yeah. I really lo- I liked the sort of corny hokiness. It reminded me of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And a and lot I love of that there's remnants <clears throat> of green screen, blue screen around the. Tie yeah, yeah. Fighters. There's, all that there's stuff. There's that is really great. fantastic uh, like hover car where they just sort of like scratched on the film. They sort of erased the oh, wheels yeah, to hover, make it yeah, look like it's hovering. Tatooine. That's great. I love that they're not cleaning it up at all. It's a little bit sloppy, and I like that. The Empire Strikes Back, it's still a very good movie. Um, I liked it better when it was a little bit hokier. You know, they tried to make it a little bit more serious with right. uh, with Empire, and a lot of people like that because it you know has a little lot more dramatic heft, and it does. But oh man, you didn't even Start turn off that. your phone. Yeah, no, I got to do that again. Sorry. And you know, and, and Return of the Jedi. Well, you know, I watched them all over the course of a weekend after I had graduated right. high school. You know, a friend said you are watching these this weekend. When and, we and didn't so have, I, yeah, so I loved them, but. Again, I, I can't really get behind the Star Wars thing because I'm too busy miring around with Captain Picard. I remember what, the summer before we had got our licenses. My friend okay. Andy Dierks and I would spend every day watching the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> For the entire summer. Every day you watch the whole trilogy. And nobody was into Star Wars. Yeah. This yeah, is like this was before 94, 95. It was still a subculture at the time. Nobody yeah. was into that. But we had read the Thrawn books. We were reading the Dark Horse comics that had started mm-hmm. to come out. It was like Tales of the Jedi at that point, which is phenomenal. Read right. the article. And, um, and 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 loving it, and it got to the point where, like, in the maybe the the, the fall of my fr- of my sophomore year in high school, uh-huh. um, a bunch of friends and I were like, we had a bunch of friends over to watch Star Wars, mm. and me and Andy were the two jerks in the room who were <laughs> quoting everything before it started, 
including the Chewbacca roars in the oh, in the R2D2 beeps would be like oh, oh, no. and people would be like well, how the fuck are you guys doing this they didn't know that we were <laughs> we watched such, it a hundred times all we did how. that summer was we we didn't have jobs mm-hmm. we didn't have a car all we did that kind summer of a, kind of that magical period where all you can do is consume your favorite or go to the neighborhood pool again. yeah and that's all we did yeah. or we played the, the Super Star Wars on the N60 uh, on the Super NES we played those <laughs> games ad nauseum like we are mm-hmm. huge Star Wars fans but um, you know what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Um, we talked on the B Movies podcast, the the, the show that that, that that you are a special guest on. That this I'm a week, special guest on this yeah. week. So Geekscape, if you're listening to this, there's an actual sister episode over on Crave Online where Whitney and I talk the Oscars, and we we actually talked about the Oscars and the delay of Batman versus Superman, right. which we don't really have an opinion on because, because hopefully it makes the movie better. Perhaps I, I hated Man of Steel. You liked it. Maybe this will maybe this will better than maybe this will meet us in the middle. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe so. Maybe we'll both think it's okay. <laughs> but um, we are, one thing that we talked about a lot on mm-hmm. the show on your show is uh, the Oscars. Um, just looking at the list of the Oscars when we posted them on Geekscape, the Oscar nominations that came out uh, on Thursday. What were the big surprises, and yeah. each, and which were the ones that you want to win? Like best picture, okay. was anything surprising that wasn't nominated? Uh, the, I'm I'm surprised. Like Captain Phillips was nominated. All is lost wasn't. Right. Um. I, I can't really say there were there were a whole lot of surprises in the best picture category. But uh, your as, choice this year, what do you think is going to win? I think Gravity is going to win. What did you? What would um, you like? The to only win? Well, of of those, I liked American Hustle and Her and The Wolf of Wall Street okay. better than than Gravity and Twelve Years a Slave, which are like sort of like the two front runners. Sure. Uh, I would love to see The Wolf of Wall Street win. I would love to see her win. But, you know, her is a little too twee. Wolf of Wall Street's a little too pornographic. Because her is going to probably get the screenplay award, I think it's going to sit down on this one. You you think her is going to win screenplay? Yeah, and I think it should. As much as I had, like, issues with the movie, my issues with the movie were how poignant it was with the relationship. Right, right, right. It wore me out like a relationship (laughs) to the point where two-thirds of the way through the movie, I was like... Okay, I'm done. Like, yeah, I, need please, I need to get please, out of this theater. Please. Like, get me there's, out of this relationship with this movie. A, there's a great spoof you can find online called Him, where they uh-huh. just sort of gender reverse it. Okay, and it's, you know about how this young woman who becomes obsessed with her cyber boyfriend. Of course, they joke around that he's kind of a slob and he's not paying attention to her at all, but she's still deeply, deeply in love with him. But the big poignant thing is that she falls in love with him and he can never leave. Right. Like, he literally never can leave. And it's, so it's all about sort of her fantasy. It's a little bit offensive, of course, but it's... It's funny. It, it's kind of... It's funny. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, her, her was a great movie. Twelve Years a Slave is a litany of suffering. It's just In a so good way harrowing. or a bad way? Like, is it worth watching? Um, it, I, I mean, that's it's, a movie that I've been scared to watch. It's really gorgeous. I mean, Steve McQueen, the director, used to be a photographer, so uh-huh. everything, he, sh- he shoots the heck out of everything. Okay. Um, there's some interesting things, because this is a true story. This is how sure. slavery really went. It really was this heroin. And I didn't know the so plot. I didn't know that, that he was kidnapped as yeah, a free he was, slave. He was, he was a free, free black man in the North. He was kidnapped, sent to the South, and lived as a slave for 12 years, where he couldn't prove to anybody that he was a free man. That's so brutal. And it's, now, that yeah, makes me want to see the movie, because tra- it's, it's got... Some it's tragic, plot. and yeah. So, but that's you know the whole setup. Once right. he's a slave, it's about him trying to survive, and he has to pretend that he's a dummy. He has to pretend that he can't read or write because he has to pretend he's a slave. Otherwise, right. the white masters will think he's an uppity runaway, and they'll beat him and maybe kill him, and they can do that legally. Oh, because maybe it's, I won't because see this it's movie. slavery, and you know oh. there's, there's really horrible scenes. He has I to, can't deal with it. He has to whip other slaves, and you know just suffer and I suffer. I feel bad enough suffer. that I don't pay my geekscape writers. <laughs> 
unpaid interns, the new slaves. Twelve years, the uh, Geekscape writer. T- Twelve years That's in interns, yeah. And, you know, the whole unpaid intern thing is coming to an end. There's well, been a lot of legal action in New York about, like, paying unpaid interns and how right. much studios rely on essentially what is slave labor, you know, who, who are trying to build their resumes. Well, we're a community of writers. Derek Crowden and Valid Adult. Mm. In, <laughs> sorry, Derek. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants tomorrow, but we love working on Geekscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no surprise. I wish Before Midnight had been up for Best Picture instead of something like Philomena. Oh, okay. Uh, Phil, not that Philomena was bad, but I liked Before Midnight way you, more. You thought it was that... Powerful. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good movie. It's on my top ten list, that's for sure. I did, like, Before Midnight quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was intense, but it was... Mm. I love the way... I just loved listening yeah. to that movie. My my number one film of the year, I was... And I, this was just me being, being a dick contrarian. I was I was just trying to... Uh, Thor co- 2. Co- co- not Thor 2. <sighs> it was actually To the Wonder. Uh, I really okay. liked the, the new Terrence Malick movie. A lot of people said, oh, it's Terrence Malick. haven't seen it yet. Doing the one with Ben again. Affleck? Yeah, that one. It's awesome. It's great. I mean, it's Terrence Malick covering big questions. You know, it's issues of love and faith and the world and all the rest. And, you know, beautiful photography and God and everything is in this movie. Right. Uh, it's stuff he did in The Tree of Life. Sure. But, you know, it's sort of writ a little bit smaller. But the questions are just as big. And it's just as beautiful. And it's a great movie. Um, a lot of critics hated it because it was Terrence Malick just sort of doing the same thing over again. Right. I wish that had been up for some sort of award. I wish that movie got some credit for something. So I listed it as number one just to be sort of contrarian, just to be to be the you ma- did? to be the maverick. Yeah, I was you my were that guy. I, I was the guy, number one. Well, Dallas um, Buyers Club's my I, my favorite. Yeah, I like it. Nebraska. Um, who should win the Oscar? The Oscar for the acting. The, uh, I love Kristen Bale. Kristen Bale was great. Kristen Bale was great. When you first see that stomach, when you first see his stomach, you're like, oh man. Well, Kristen Bale just he always goes for it. He is Mm -hmm. wholly dedicated to any role he plays, whether or not he's full, like wholly successful. John Connor, otherwise, he goes for it. Yeah, he just goes like he's going to lose a lot of weight. He's going to sell it. He's going to be energy. Yeah, doesn't matter if he's in Terminator Four. He's he's going to sell whatever he's in. And uh, in this one, he plays such a weird character. And there's this really great scene. He's just sort of this defeated sad sack you know right. he, he, he there's great scenes he has with jennifer lawrence where she just sort of talks him down is like and and i gave you that idea so thank oh, god that, for that me is a, that is a good scene that is a great scene she's yeah. great and he's great because he's just sort of sitting back kind of like nodding himself biting his lip and, and it's such knows a beautiful that, yeah. knows that woman it's like yeah yeah i know i know honey you know you you want him to you can see he you can see in his face that he wants to tell her off but he he knows he can't it's just a great character. I right. loved Ir- Irving Zisman, I think was his character's name. Uh, DiCaprio, again, was really uh, really energetic, really fantastic. I think McConaughey is going to win. Yeah, I, I liked my, my, I mean, that's such a big part of loving Dallas Buyers Club. He and Jared Leto, I hope, win. I think Bruce Dern mm-hmm. did a great job in Nebraska. He just may yeah. not have a star power. Well, it may it, work for it, him, it, it may work against it might, him. It might be the yeah. legacy Oscar. You know, he's been right. in, in the industry for so long. They might You're just right. give it to him to say, hey, thanks for sticking around in the industry and being famous for 50 years. Right. But I think Matt, I think this is McConaughey's year. He's been really trying too, and stuff like Magic Mike and Mud. He's really been trying to yeah. pull, pull out this sort of Oscar-worthy role, and he's you know worth it. But Meryl Streep does she become the first actress to be how to get four Oscars? Uh, the first person? Yeah. No, that that'll be. It, nominating Meryl Streep is just a tradition at this point. <laughs> you know, it's she she's in a movie. Did okay, she get nominated for the Iron Lady. She she won for the Iron Lady. She won for the she yeah. won for the Iron she Lady. She won for the Iron Lady. The Queen's Speech. That's, that, what I, that's, yeah, what I that, that, that's a good way to put it. I yeah, no. it the Queen's Speech. Yeah, from what I heard, it was an awful movie, but yeah, she won won an Oscar for that one. 
Whoa. for playing Maggie Thatcher. So maybe she doesn't um, get it this year because she got it for that. Yeah, she already got it. She got it kind of recently. She's always nominated. I don't think she's hurting for it. You know, she's right. won a bunch. She won one kind of recently. And this is not necessarily her best work. Not that she was bad in August, but yeah, I mean, I think this is just another year where we're going to nominate her. Who would you can. give it to? I would give it to Kate Blanchett. Okay. And and I think she will win. I think Kate Blanchett is, is the winner. <laughs> Woody Allen's great with actors. You know, he he knows how to sort of pull that out from certain people. Uh-huh. And Kate Blanchett is another dedicated actress who's really sort of creating a character from the ground up. And her character represents something. It's really an Occupy movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's an economic crisis movie. Blue Jasmine? Blue Jasmine. Who, I didn't about, know anything about it. About a woman who is married to a, a millionaire. She's never worked a day in her life. She doesn't know what it is to be a working person. She just enjoys the money. Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're, we live such posh lifestyles as film critics. Because <laughs> all film critics live in huge mansions. <laughs> yeah, we're just out here, it's it's like we have blowjob robots and you would, flying you cars. You don't know what it's like to live a day, work a day in your life. <laughs> Look at these hands. Look at these hands. These are the hands of a working man. So you, so you so, think uh, she gets it? I think she gets it because, you know, this woman who loses all of her money and goes crazy and makes her kind of relatable in a way rather than just this sort of shrill, crazy woman. Well, I like Jonah Hill mm-hmm. for Best Supporting, but yeah. i, I got to give it to Jared Leto. Yeah. Um, best Animated Feature is kind of a shoe-in for Frozen. For Frozen, for I mean, sure. Is there an upset at all in the Best Animated Feature? I mean, if The Wind the wind Rises is the only serious competition, and not a lot of people saw Miyazaki's that. Because it's Miyazaki's last movie? Yeah. Well, just because it's Miyazaki. But it's, but it's also, quote-unquote, his last movie. This is the third time third he time said, said this it. is my last movie. I think movie. this might be his last movie for sure, but we'll see. Until um, his son makes another movie, and then yeah, he goes, now wait, let me show you how it's done. <laughs> Goro, Goro, come back. Come my back. favorite thing with, the, with, with Miyazaki is, my game of the year was Nino Kuni. <laughs> Neil Cooney was Wrath such, of the White Witch. Oh, that that game was such an experience. And The Wind Rises, any of his movies are just phenomenal and deserve yeah. to be seen in theaters. Um, who wins Best Director? Best Director. Well, since I think Gravity will win Best Picture, but I don't think Quaron's going to win Director. Okay. I, th- I think that's going to go to Steve McQueen. Okay. For Twelve Years a Slave, because they're they're so close that they're just going to split. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, Scorsese just won. He did a great job on, on Wolf of Wall Street. Sure. Um, Alexander Payne always does great work. I love him, yeah. And uh, David, o. R- David O. Russell's last couple movies have been sort of good directing jobs in that he kind of wrangles actors really well and creates very lighthearted tones. But again, I think I really think it's going to be between Corone and, uh, and McQueen. Okay, who and wins? McQueen's going to win that one. Does The Act of Killing win... Uh, hands down best documentary hands down it does that just hit Netflix instant and I gotta mm-hmm. see it but it's freaking me out it's, it will it's freak you out it's about that dictator guy in like the Philippines it's about an en- ex- executioner and not in the Philippines it was in Indonesia uh, this guy named Anwar Congo he's one of the chief executioners during like the, the genocide of quote the communists which was okay. essentially anybody who disagreed with the regime and now decades later he's celebrated as a hero and dig this premise, the filmmakers went to him, put a camera in his hand, and said, recreate what you remember of your killings. That's and, right. And we That's get to right. learn sort of, you know, A, he doesn't have any remorse. He thought he was doing this thing, and he celebrated as a hero, and he bought it. He thinks he's a hero. And all of his cronies think that they're heroes, and that they did these wonderful things. So when they show off how they killed people, they're showing off. They're bragging how they killed these people. And they're sort of these good old boys, these guys in their 70s who murdered 
thousands of people. Holy like, crap. Um, the, I gotta see this Like movie. millions of people I've died during this genocide. See, I've been scared to see And you should movie. be scared because it'll devastate, it'll destroy you. The movie is just emotionally crippling. It is so sad, just sort of rooting around through this human evil, looking for a shred of remorse. That sounds like going to the Geekscape and, forums. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like a movie version of going through a, a forum, an online uh, forum. Yeah, re- reading Facebook. Reading updates. for, like... like <laughs> It's 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 like running into a crowded room of geeks and shouting Joss Whedon sucks and seeing what happens. <laughs> or like going on Instagram and like a teenager on Instagram, all there are like Starbucks posts, <laughs> Starbucks pictures. It's it, it's just, just that. Give up on humanity. I mean, I, I I saw most of Cutie and the Boxer. I uh, my wife saw Twenty Feet from Stardom and she really liked that. That's okay. a music documentary um, about the backup singers who backed up like yeah, all of the big yeah, stars. No, yeah, I saw that. But um, the act of killing is the one that wins, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the celebrity documentary. There's always one every, right. every year. Uh, yeah, and I think that one's going to win for sure. Okay, well, you see any of these foreign language films? Like, I can't I s- name any of these. Um, the gr- I saw The Great Beauty. How is it? Um, so it, that one it, wins. It's good. It's it's an homage to Fellini, so it's like really lush. It's about an old mm. aging Italian guy who's done nothing but party, and he's an author. It is a Fellini movie. Yeah, it's totally a Fellini movie. It, it's just just a different guy instead of Mastroianni. Um, I'm not a, and this is this is me losing a lot of my film critic cred. Okay, I'm not the biggest fan of Fellini. It took me a long time I'm to come around either. to to Federico Fellini. I just don't understand how you have neorealism, <clears throat> which is like the greatest movie in film. I think Italian yeah, like, neorealism is the greatest movie. Yeah, in like film. Bi- Bicycle Thieves, Umberto Dio. Bicycle like Thieves is the, the greatest movie. The Desica stuff ever made. is really fantastic. But then, you you know the 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 French start making these new wave films, uh-huh. and then it influences Italy, and you start getting these weird flights of fancy. Well, you get something like Eight and a Half, where you yeah. have you have to know a lot about movies and about the new wave, and kind of really put yourself in that mindset to even understand what's going on in Eight and a Half. Yeah, uh, La Dolce Vita is a little better. You can kind of get on with the sort of guy aging out of the party scene. Movement. What about that one where they look uh, <clears throat> Laventura, where they look well, they're on a damn island? Oh. The whole <laughs> is it me or is that? Oh, movie Antonioni. So, is that movie not just insufferable? Um, and they're all looking for all of Antonioni's like, movies are about brutal? yeah these like middle class twenty somethings who do nothing for right. two hours and that's the point that they're doing nothing and somebody goes missing uh, and they do nothing and they sleep together but they do nothing there's just no passion at all that movie's hard movies. to watch man I appreciate La Ventura more than I, I enjoy La Ventura I think, all, yeah, but, I think um, that's the way to put it but yeah, the, the Great Beauty is yet another. It's like the new version, the homage no. to that. No. So I didn't really dig on the Great Beauty the way a lot of critics did. It made a lot of top ten lists. Snobs. Um, the Broken Circle Breakdown was really heartbreaking. I didn't see all of it. It played yeah. at the movie theater where I work, so I saw most of it oh, just yeah? sort of peer, peeking in in the back. But uh, it's it's about country musicians in Belgium falling in love, and we see their relationship out of order and how you know love and death and kids and all the rest. I ain't watching that. Um, I didn't see The Hunt. I heard that was pretty good. It was with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Everybody people, likes A him. bunch of people think he might be a child molester and what happened, you know, the consequences thereof. Oh, it's just perspective, though. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, so uh, it sounds like interesting. Oh, that does um, actually sound good. Uh, the Missing Picture and Omar haven't been released in the States yet, so right. I can't, can't comment on oh, those. that's tough. Um, best makeup and hair. Does it go to Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa? I yes sh- or no? I sure hope so. I think it's going to go to Dallas Buyers Club. But oh, yeah. I sure There's hope that. it goes to... Would jackass you, Don't you kind of want that to walk up on stage? I want the jackass guy to walk up. I want Johnny Knoxville to be there in makeup. Yeah. To accept the Oscar in character. I mean, don't they need, like, something to make the Oscars watchable? <laughs> like, so, you know, do, do you watch them? I think they're kind of I boring. do. I watch them every year. And, you know, I'm so used to sort of the, the slow bits that they don't right. bother me so much. I don't like that they sort of stop and do, here's an homage to romantic comedies. Right. And they just show a bunch of clips. And those are fun, I guess, because it's fun to spot the clip. 
But yeah, they just slow things down. I'm glad they don't have the dance numbers anymore. I wish they just performed the songs straight up, not do any of those little clip shows. Um, right. Sh- extend the clips they show from the movies a little bit. Make it more about the movies than about sort of the live show. Right. There's all... It has just been another year. Yeah, I mean, and just, there, there's all this controversy as who should host the Oscars. Don't have a host. Yeah, or, uh, you know, or just, just have presenters. Have presenters. Huh. You don't need a host for all of this. I mean, there's a fun opening number. And then beyond that, you know, the host plays no role at all. So, yeah, you don't need somebody to host the Oscars. And then, like, how come some of these shouldn't just be, like, during the day? Pardon? How come some of these shouldn't just be, okay, best screenplay. I say her. I say her. What do you say? I I say her. Maybe her. Maybe Dallas Buyers Club. No, you know, American Hustle. I think American Hustle will win original screenplay. Really? Maybe. They, but there was kind of... Her, her is a great screenplay. You know what? I'm going to say her. Okay, best That's, adopted. Uh, adopted Best screenplay. adopted screenplay. Adopted screenplay that you found uh, on your b- doorstep. Bef- before, a, mid- before Midnight is going to win adapted yeah, okay. screenplay. Because it's the only one that's not up for best picture. And we were really? talking about this on, on B-Movies, B-Movies podcast, podcast about how the, 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 the some movies get a consolation prize. You know what? It's I like it wasn't up for realized. best picture, actor, director, none of that. But it's up for best adapted screenplay. And I think that's going to be the one. The other What's four, it adapted from? Well, the previous movies. It's a sequel. Well, yeah, but come on. How does that make it <laughs> adapted? Uh, well, you know, if if it's a sequel, then technically the movie's based on the previous movie. So oh, that, that's come an adapt. That's a, if I get, technically it's an adaptation but of lo- Before uh, the, Sunrise. Well, I mean, come on, but it's not it's not a retelling of those stories, though. It's not a retelling, but it's, it's those it's those characters, isn't it? Those characters are from a previous movie. I thought, but I, I I'm surprised to see it in Best Adapted. And again, this might be politics. Maybe they didn't want to push it for right. best original screenplay. Maybe technically it was, it could have been in both. I like that Steve Coogan is nominated for an uh, Oscar for Philomena. Uh, f- although, is that the Phil- same Steve Coogan, the the, the Steve, comedian? The, the comedian, and he's I in, love that. He's in Philomena. He's, I think he's, he's the main great. character. Philomena is oh, only you're good right. though I'm because I'm not watching it until tonight. But you're right, he is in that. Yeah, but uh, Steve Coogan's screenplay is actually uh, was changed by the direction. It's directed by Stephen Frears. He's actually a very good director. I love Stephen and Frears. Yeah, Stephen Frears is great. And he's the one who took that movie and sort of rung it for its real dramatic potential. Okay. I, I take a look at the screenplay, and I think it was Steve Coogan trying to be sort of broad and funny. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> when I think about Well, just because uh, Philomena herself is, you know, she loves romance novels. Judy Dench, and, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think she was supposed to be a little bit more dotty, a little bit more batty, a little, oh, okay. a little like a crazy old lady in his version of things. Right. And he himself was supposed to be sort of the put-upon everyman who has to deal with this crazy old lady. Right. That's what I see from the screenplay. The actual movie was a little bit more complex, and it actually turns Steve Coogan's character kind of into, not, not the villain of the piece, but a little bit more of a jerk. He's a right. little less sensitive in Stephen Frears' version of things, and Philomena's a little bit more complex. She's played by Judy Dench. She's, she's, she becomes into more of a real character, and she's based on a real person. So I, I, it's not going to really win, for, for adapted screenplay, uh, because I think Stephen Frears is the reason we're paying attention to this thing. Not because right. of St- even though Stephen Krugan's free screenplay is pretty good. Anyway, um, what, what do you think of when special effects? I don't, I'm surprised Man I, of Steel's not on there. I am actually surprised that um, Pacific Rim's not in there. Well, Pacific Rim... I had a big problem with Pacific Rim, actually. Um, Tell I, I saw it uh, on, a, on a studio lot, and I saw sure. it in 3D. And I'm not sure if this was a problem with the screening I saw or the movie in general, but the lighting and the 3D were so bad 
Really? Like the 3D just didn't didn't do anything to the movie. It didn't enhance it. It just okay. made things darker. And it was already a dark movie. In that we'll do, and it, oh, that'll happen. All of the you scenes were all the scenes were shot at night in the rain, and the the fight scenes were so strangely choreographed that I could not tell what was going on like in any fest. of the like ro- robots. Yeah, pretty well. Even worse, that, yeah, because it's just a big swirling yeah. morass of shapes. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it, it's like car parts fighting with more car parts. You can't tell what's <laughs> going on. And this one, you know, you, you see like a horn or a fist, mm-hmm. and it's hard to tell what's going on. Like I remember one scene where. Like a guy reel, reel, reels back his fist and a rocket yeah. engages in the robot's yeah, yeah. elbow and, and it punches, punches forward. forward. I remember that. But aside from that, I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. You, you, know, just you, stare, you need, like, What we need is, if you're having a robot fight, it needs to be like in an old Godzilla movie. It has to be, this camera has to be far back. It has to be during the it's day. Like Shaw Brothers style. Yeah, it has to be clear. We have to see what's going on. We have to see what's being smashed. Right. Don't obscure things with big smoke clouds or rain. Right. If I'm going to see a robot fighting a monster, I want to see a goddamn robot fighting a goddamn monster. Yeah, no, you, you got a point about about how that movie, the fight scenes, did all seem to take place at night. Yeah. In rain or water. So. I'm sure it looked great if I if I had seen it in 2D, perhaps sure. projected properly. Sure, maybe I could have I would have been down with the special effects a little bit better. But as it stands, I couldn't understand what was going on during the fight scenes in Pacific Rim. So um, I think Gravity wins best special effects because it's <laughs> uh, the most respectable yeah. of any of these movies. It's res- well, plus it also had the best special effects. Yeah. I mean, you compare even if you look at something like Iron Man three, which had all the mm-hmm. you know, all the CGI Iron Man. You know, all of these really great suits where like bits are flying into his body and he's right. being knocked over. Those are really cool special effects. But you know, gravity is the first one that uses its special effects in sort of a meaningful way. It ties into what that movie is about, which is sort of the the vastness of space and the spectacle of it. So yes, yeah, gravity for sure. I was not impressed by the special effects in The Hobbit: Desolation of Smog, except for <laughs> that end sequence. It's like a boss battle. Against smog. Oh, where they're trying to like, cover now smog we gotta go to and this molten room. Now we gotta go to this yeah, room. Yeah. It just felt like a classic boss battle from an old game, and I love, <laughs> I, I love that. It's like a video game. And it really, except it, except me, it wasn't in the book, and it was boring, and the movie was already two hours too long. It made me miss those games that were put out around the time of Lord of the Rings, the original Lord of the Rings, the PS2 games that were kind of okay. like smashers where you could play like... I <laughs> loved those games. Why aren't there better Hobbit video games around this movie? Because well, it's you more know, like a video game than the other we, ones Yeah, were. we already have that. We watched the movie and we're already kind of playing uh, the video I game. I would have played the game after that. I, I mean, I, so I, 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 I... Gosh, I hate these Hobbit movies. Why do you I hate mean, First of all, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. I know, you need to I, leave. know Wait, I'm I know, in your house. I know, I know. You're, I'm in your house, and I'm asking you to leave. I, I I appreciate them for their ambition more than I sort of appreciate sure. them as movies. I I feel like the the whole sort of Tolkien thing to me is more about sort of camping trips. It's I would have loved Tolkien. to seen Tolkien. Excuse me, Tolkien thing. The J.R.R. Tolkien thing is that. I wanted to see more scenes of just them sort of sitting around and singing songs and camping. And it, it, it would have played better if it was more like a gentle travelogue. And it's like instead, the 70s version of the Hobbit. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen the sort of... Because, you know, hippies in the yeah. 60s loved Lord of the Rings and loved The Hobbit. My they mom... Did. Black Sabbath loved The Hobbit. My mom, who was a teenager in the 60s, like, I, I think she lost it, but she had the Frodo Lives button. It was a big, Whoa. you know, this big sort of take acid, read Lord of the Rings, peace, love, and understanding thing. And what Peter Jackson did is turn it into sort of a modern-day CGI action right. spectacular. And I would have loved to see the version of those movies 
where it was this totally boring, right. hippy-dippy trip about, you know, just sort of sitting in these placid fields and taking drugs and having a great time. And not worry <laughs> Most about... Most of it takes place in, like, a bubble. And not worry about Aragorn or the, the legacy yeah. of the trolls or, you know, the wars they the, have like, to you fight. The, you know, the it's... The Leonard Nimoy version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a great version of Lord of the Rings. Okay, no, it's a terrible version of Lord of the Rings, but that's the version I was we'll kind of looking forward to. We'll call that the Toadstool edition. There you go. The, the Magic Mushrooms version of Lord yeah. of the Rings. So, uh, you know, I, I would have preferred something more like that. And something that looks less like those awful blacklight posters. That's a movie that makes all of $3 uh, at the box office. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> see, the movies I want to see are unsuccessful movies. That's the problem. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, like book, really book covers that have these, these big dragons and unicorns and ha- hazy, misty fairy fairy tales. You know, that's what the movies look like. You know and there's was... some integrity to making that, but I'm not really fond of that look. You know what I think is a crime right now is that the, the wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall does not have a U.S. Blu-ray edition. <laughs> that's right. You know, there you go. There's we no need more US... movies that look like The Wall. I was looking wall. for The Wall because I wanted... And I agree with you. I think that's what I'm saying. I think there should be more musical concertish, not concert mm. films, but um, I know Metallica did that this year and this and that. Yeah, well, but, that was good actually. I, I like the Metallica concept record movie. But I want more of those visual kind of musical journeys. Like Pink Floyd's The Wall is such an awesome yeah. movie. Not available on Blu-ray. Such in a the pity. U.S. I mean, you, you can find plenty good deluxe DVDs of that thing. And you know, the whole point is just to listen to the record. But yeah, um, I love watching that movie. It's we, so well shot. Uh, we, we live in an era where sort of, A, a rock and roll is now, it's, it's secondary yeah. to video games. If you look right. at where like the money is, music is not people's defining factor anymore. People right. don't go home and listen to whole records and trade records. They don't collect records. They don't buy they them. download yeah, right. them. Yeah, yeah. So, you download a song at a time. So, you know, if you look where the money is gone, it's all to video games. And yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think the, the, <laughs> the bridge of that gap between rock and video games was Guitar Hero. Right. Guitar Hero kind of put the final nail in music's coffin right. and like pushed it into the video game. So world. can they release a game that is an album? Could like a band come out with an album game concept? Uh, it, I think we live in an era now where you can hire a pop band, let's say Radiohead. You could probably hire Radiohead if they were interested sure. to do a soundtrack for a video game. Man, wouldn't that and, just and be and like the awesome? and the levels were all based on Radiohead songs. Or the songs were all based on the levels. Oh yeah, exactly. So you know, th- this is where we're living now, where the video game is now the, Man, cent- the central the money making. <laughs> the Radiohead video game. No, I would play the hell out of a video game that had a musical. I mean, like a game like Journey mm-hmm. had such great music. Remember Journey? I, I played on the PS3. Like it had such no, great music, and I, the music again, was such we, a part we, of it. We talked about this before. Video game ended with me in around '97. You gotta so, come yeah. over. <laughs> you gotta come on over. I'd, and I'd, I'd love to spend, like, if I ever have, like, a free Sunday, sure. I can get together. Well, this is with, our free with, Sunday. This is what we're doing. Yeah, get, get together with a proper, like, video game person and just yeah. play, play something that, like, only takes five hours to complete, perhaps. Sure. And, like, just play it through beginning to end. Maybe finally get used to the controls. I might be interested in doing something like that if I can do it in sort of a social context. Yeah, come but, over. Let's do it. But video games are so new and so complex now, I, I don't even know how to approach them. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you, you, it'll be like riding a bike. You, you think so? Because I'm so used to side so. scrollers. I think I, I never got used to the whole. 3D I still love. Thing. I love the side scrollers. Yeah. So if if you put it's me in front favorite. of any kind of side scroll, like new Super Mario Brothers Wii, I can get down with that. But, yeah. You know, it, it it has to be old fashioned. Okay. There's a great one that was but one yeah, of our I'd top love... games this year. Gunman Clive was, was, was a side scroller. Nice. And it's great. Gunman and it's not Clive. only that. It's it's almost black and white like an old Game Boy game. Nice, nice. It Very looks cool. awesome. It's a great size. Yeah, so it's got it's got to be retro for me to, to even be able to do anything with it at all. I tried playing a game called Heavy Rain, of course, um, which is more like a movie you interact with. Yes. You just sort of push buttons and yes. get the movie to keep on going. 
and evidently... I the, never the, finished the, Heavy Rain. Yeah, I, I only, I I only play like, like the first level right. if you can even separate a movie. Where the kid gets like lost and you're going through the mall? Yeah, like, yeah. I, and as soon as the kid was lost, that's, yeah. that's kind of where in like the opening credits. It's like right. I, I played the the pre-credits scene from a movie. Right. And evidently it takes like hundreds of hours to master. Uh, yeah, and I, I just I can't really get, get behind that sort of great. thing. I, that's what Do I you watch hearing. the TV show or anything? No. The Walking Dead game is TV. great. I heard that yeah, Walking Dead was really good. I heard The Last of Us was really good. The Last of Us is supposedly game of the year. So I keep hearing. But you got my vote for Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Wrath of the White Witch. It's just awesome to be in a Miyazaki. So I, I keep hearing about all of these great games, but you know, I, I, a, I don't have time. You know, I'm a, right. I'm a film critic. I got to go out and watch the movies and write about these. Movies. Do you enjoy I don't what you're doing, or do you curse me every day? <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I, there's there's a great deal of enjoyment. I love the process of going to movies. Really, but I also want to say that if you have to see Ride Along and Nut Job in the same day. It you can, did that? It kind of, I did. I saw The Nut Job at You're a 3, 3 p.m. I saw Ride Along at 7 p.m. in the same day at two different theaters. So I had to cur- you know, curve around Los Angeles. Do movies just not be uh, – at what, what point are they just not fun to you anymore? Well, you know, when you go to see previews and you hear a lot of people, oh, I'm really looking forward to that movie, you know, it's hard to look forward to movies anymore because you have to see them all. Your, your approach becomes a little bit different. What, what movie killed critic. it for you, your soul? What movie killed it for you? <laughs> <laughs> What movie killed my soul? Do you remember you know, the I moment when you said, like, I don't want to live anymore? No, you know, it's it's just, it's... <laughs> no, no movie kills your soul. It's not a matter of... It's just your your perspective changes a little bit when you do it for a living. So... Um, if, I, if I don't... If, if, if you so, guys don't... If you guys aren't writing for Geekscape, and then you uh, guys don't move on to Crave... Uh, remember Ahmad, who I recommended Whitney, oh, uh, Bibi Ani to? Heck if, yeah, if, yeah, if, if that never happens, guy. what the hell are you guys doing right now? Well, we're probably doing the same damn thing. You know, we're watching movies. We're trying to see as many of them as possible. The difference is when you're doing it for a living, you can't choose to see the films you don't want to see. Right. It's like, oh, Bad Grandpa's coming up. Well, I'm not going to see that. Right. We are going to see that. You're we totally have to see, see that. that. You know, if Scary Movie Five's coming out, you need to re- you need to review that at some point. Oh. You have to see Scary Movie Five. You're digging so many bullets. So yeah, we and the, the trick to be being a good film critic is you have to have an open mind for everything. Right. You know, you, you can dread it. I'm, I'm not sure. expecting a whole lot from Scary Movie 5. I expect it to be painful. And lo and behold, it was. <laughs> but, you know, as, as a professional, you have to sit down in the theater at Scary Movie 5 and say, you have to let it happen. Right. You have to say, <laughs> this, this is... You described a this, rape. This might be the next airplane. Scary Movie 5 could potentially be great. Part of you has to say that you have to give it an even There's shot. There's still a fire in you is what you're saying. There's yeah, a no, 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 fire. So uh, even even as a critic, even as somebody has to see everything, you're waiting for the great ones. And mm. you can look forward to, you know, certain movies, but at the same point at the same time, you have to expect greatness from every movie you go into. Right. That's your critical integrity. That's what you have to do as a film critic. Do you, you feel give that, everything it, it, an even it, shot? Is there and an onset of exhaustion that might happen? A, a little bit, you know, especially during the summer when you're just tired of explosive blockbusters, or during Oscar season where you're tired of prestige pictures when you know right. they're just all shoved at you at once. Right. After a while, yeah, it does become kind of exhausting. But just like any job, you just know, sit if, in that theater and curse my name. And <laughs> and you know, you're waiting for the great ones. You know, if a great movie comes along, it's especially if the the best ones are you know a movie you don't expect to be great or this little movie that nobody's talking about that you can champion. Those right. are the moments that a critic really. Do you have for. one of those this year? Uh, well, To the Wonder was mine. Right. I put that as an ad number one. That's the one I'm going to champion. Right. Uh, Blue is the Warmest Color is not a movie that, that everyone saw that I think everyone should sure. see. And movies like The Spectacular now. And James Ponsel, the buddy one, made that movie. Which, who did? My buddy James Ponsel. No kidding. Yeah, we were just at... Uh, Tell him I love his movie. I think think that's an excellent movie. I really... Miles Teller was great. He lost some money on Sunday on Santa Anita. (laughs) Yeah, he he went to school with me. 
That's really funny. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Tell him his movie is one of the best of the year. I'm surprised. I'm list. surprised Spectacular Now is not here. Yeah, it's I, not, I, not for screenplay. I didn't not, see it because I, I love Miles Sp Teller. I, I thought it, he was going to be up for actor. But, it didn't you know. have Spider-Man in it, so I didn't see it. But um, <laughs> but I know James is uh, James is super proud of the movie, and the movie did a lot for him. So Yeah, let, 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 tell, him, tell him that there are critics out there that love his movie. I well, will. With William Bibbiani, and I loved his movie. Cool. So, yeah, when, when you find something like The Spectacular Now, when you finally find that one that just breaks through and gets you again... And that you can finally talk about with genuine enthusiasm. That's what you live for. I mean, you, you don't have to wait and pretend to be enthusiastic about the movies everybody's talking about. You, don't you can talk movie, about the movies. Whitney, that, you want to just talk about other people's movies? That's going to fucking kick well, the shit out of you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> talking about <laughs> submitting ideas for Motor Mouth to, to Marvel. Okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're dead in the water, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, wait, no, are you serious? You're going to submit an idea for I Marvel? did. I, I sent it into Marvel. And a friend of a friend of a friend works for Marvel, so I sent it in. This will, this will be Marvel Phase 4. It'll be my idea. I need to fucking no, call. No, nobody's we ever. We need to hit up Tom Brevoort and start like a campaign against the Marvel editors and be like, you gotta get this Motormouth thing made. Oh, God, Motormouth. Motormouth is gonna be less popular than anything. You know, I, I, it, than it's, a DC book. Pardon? Than a DC book. DC, yeah, maybe so. Oh, gosh. No, Motormouth was, uh, like I was trying to say earlier, it was just, it's, it's sort of a challenge. Can I take this sort of a completely forgotten character and make sure. something out of it? Oh, you think you're Orson Welles all of a sudden? No, it's, it's just yeah. it, it's professional curiosity, essentially. Can, can I come up with an interesting story? And I, I feel like I did, so I sent it into Marvel. That's pretty awesome. And, and now it's, I'm sure it's being passed around from intern to intern as a joke. It's like, hey, well, look at this, this jerkwad sent into Motormouth's uh, movie. If I move up the comic book ranks... Okay. And, you know, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like push that. <laughs> push if I meet anybody in Marvel, well, I'm and, gonna and push that. In comic books now, they're sort of re. They've resurrected a lot of those <laughs> totally. Marvel UK characters for this like little event. If that becomes popular, maybe I got a shot. Huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> because damn. people might actually be interested in this Motormouth character that nobody remembers. They're like, what's hot right now, Doctor Who? UK, let's do it. Oh, God. All right. Um, well, damn, Wendy, I I'm going to be brooding for this. Um, where can people check your stuff out? I'm, I'm the co-host of the B-Movies podcast over at Crave Online. All of my articles go up on Crave Online. Mm -hmm. uh, I review movies over there. I have uh, several regular articles. I have a free film school over there where I learn you good on movies. I have a great art a series of articles I'm very proud of called Trolling, where I deliberately espouse unpopular opinions. That's awesome. And to, to get Just to get people's hackles raised. It works like, out. Yeah, yeah it works out. So like, Star Trek Five rules, Lord of the Rings sucks, and, you know, just see if I can get a good reaction out of people. That's hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, so down, download the B-Movies podcast on iTunes. I write, record commentary tracks occasionally. I got, I'm just, yeah, go over there. i listen to William Bibiani. He's our co-host. And uh, I'm on the I'm the co-host this week, so sorry about that, Geekscapus. <laughs> but um, if you want to hear more from Whitney and I, we are on the B Movies podcast. That's right, our that, latest that is episode is the two of us as well. Um, I'm Jonathan Lennon on Twitter, and of course, search for Geekscape on Twitter, YouTube, mm -hmm. Facebook. You'll find us, and uh, and all oh, that. Shoot, I totally yeah. forgot to type it on on the B Movies podcast. What? I can do it here. We have a Twitter now too. B Movies what? podcast has its own Twitter. What account. is it? It's B Movies podcast. Done. At B Movies Podcast. Yeah. All so, right. So follow us and we'll we'll tweet strange movie <laughs> we'll tra trailers at you. It'll be fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, and of course, we hang our hats at geekscape.net. Um, we'll, we're there every day putting up new articles. So that's where you hang out with us. That's um, right. <laughs> Geekscape, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time.